On this week's Big Tech Show, you might not think it could happen to you, but our guest this week explains how a significant number of Irish people may be falling victim to romance frauds online. Victims can feel a misplaced sense of shame. People can blame themselves. They feel embarrassed. And so they don't want to tell family, friends. They don't want to report it to the police. In some cases, of course, the victims are already in relationships. They're married. They have an extra reason to keep that quiet. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time Imon Irti Yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Machan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetoch, Ara, Igornamion, on Kestian Echo. Vientalem again Omgrev, Orkorn Rachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Board Gosh Energy, putting customers at the core of under 20 and senior hurling championship action. Hashtag hurling to the core. Hello and welcome to the Throwin Independent .ieca podcast in association with Board Gosh Energy. I'm Will Slattery. Delighted to be joined for our All Ireland Football Final replay and our All Ireland Ladies Football Final preview by Michael Verney in studio. Michael, hello. Will, how are you? We're not limping towards the end anyway. I hope neither the teams Saturday or Sunday are limping towards the end. Well, I was going to say power, we're powering. It, it mightn't even be the end. You know, we could That's have another true, replay. Yeah. This podcast could go on in perpetuity as long as it's yeah. keeping Dean Jaws. We might be in, in touching the league next year by the time Dublin and Kerry are finally pulled apart. Uh, looking forward to the weekend. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's so many different kind of permutations, even selection-wise, that that just to be debating over the next couple of days, and I'm sure we'll get into them. We'll get into them today because there's lots of them and just lots of different question marks and different questions that are going to be answered if it's anything like the first day like the excitement of the first day was brilliant and you just got that sense the whole way throughout the game particularly with the Cooper sending off and different things that were happening that was just the notches were just being raised up and you just thought something special was going to happen uh, the atmosphere it, for the last 10 minutes was absolutely phenomenal yeah it was, it was brilliant was yeah. a very high drama we'll be joined in studio by Dunnigan Boyle of the Irish Independent in about 2 or 3 minutes to discuss that replay and a little later on in the show by Cork legend Breed Stack to discuss the Dublin versus Galway ladies football final as well as the other finals in Croke Park on Sunday but I guess for a GAA journalist when it's a draw on a football final day <laughs> You must be the most happiest man, you know, that season gets prolonged for another couple of weeks. Dunica was on had two weeks' holidays booked for directly yeah. after. Straight so he thought, from the airport. He thought it was going to be dead He's going to be season. wearing his flip-flops and his Hawaiian shirt. And He's shorts. not the only one. There was a, there was a fair few would like, because it's, it's quite a long season. When you, it's basically fairly relentless from league the whole way through. You have the bit of a break during the club month, but from the whole way through, it's a good eight, or eight months or that. So a lot of people maybe on holidays. There could be a lot of uh, about, people with tans up in What the, about Martin Brenny's retirement? Yeah, he got another all Ireland. It's, all, it's almost like the, the they 101st just, on Ireland yeah, it doesn't sound as good no. while the 101 not out or room 101 there's lots of different things you yeah. can go on that as well but he's out of retirement his <laughs> retirement lasted about two minutes it? yeah well, there was some journalist commenting that they were the one, one of the only reasons that they were delighted was his replay because Martin had to cover another Ireland and, <laughs> and go through another bit of work but uh, just interesting just before we came on air that obviously big weekend for Kerry football with Kerry trying to break the drive for five but that uh, Kerry All-Ireland winner towering midfielder Mike Quirk is 
gone in, into management, into county management with the leash footballers, obviously replacing a fellow county man in John Shukru. It's his first kind of exposure to county appointment level. because, uh, you know, having listened to him, you know, appear on radio and podcasts, I found it very interesting to talk about football. So I'd be very interested to see, because I think leash are a team that are going places. Now, there might be, I'll be at a ceiling about how far they can go, but, you know, back-to-back promotions, uh, round four, two years in their own, the qualifiers, at Leinster final last, not the year gone, but the year previous. So, like, there, there's definitely some potential there. Yeah, and it's a good position for him to be coming into because usually you're taking over a county, particularly a county that's not your own, where they're on the floor or in a bad position. He's taken over, like John Shukru left him in a really good position. Mm. So he's a lot to build with. Um, kind of, a, he's he's good. He's a good profile as well. Like any any lads that were you know on the fence about committing, you'd imagine that they would be committing yeah. now as well. So yeah, no, could, he's an awful lot to work with. Could be going up against former teammate Paul Galvin in the Leinster Championship this year. Yeah, as well. like it's it's kind of like um, with kind of Cody's Cody's kittens like going into management there's going to be a lot of Kerry boys coming up against each other in the coming years like you wouldn't be any surprised if, if Tomas O'Shea was involved in some management team in the next few years as well there's going to be a lot of Kerry heads it's just, being the aristocrats of football they're, the the need and want for them in other counties to spread the, the gospel so to speak is quite high same with Kilkenny and Hurland so it's going to be interesting over the next couple of years Yeah and speaking of Kerry they have a big game on Saturday night against Dublin Dunica and I guess after the way the drawn game finished with Kerry really putting it up to Dublin more so than people expected and then Dublin wrestling back the initiative and almost snatching it at the end like, who do you think has the momentum going into the Saturday's game because although Dublin are quite heavily favoured in the bookies it, it feels a lot closer you know in real terms Um. I'm expecting to be closer than where we were in the 48 hours before the drawn match, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but I, loads of things have changed in that 70 plus minutes and starting with, I suppose, that Kerry are probably more ready now than we thought. I think that's one starting point. I think the Dublin bench, we which was so good for so long, probably got examined at a time and maybe the nature of James Gavin's changes, when he made them and how he made them, maybe suggests, along with the Jim Connolly thing, maybe suggests he doesn't trust them as much as he did. And um, then the way to finish the game, you could argue that that was some of the best firefighting Dublin have done over the course of this five-in-a-row attempt. So in terms of the momentum, it really depends on where, you, where what side of the coin you're on. I think if you're Dublin, you're looking at it and saying, listen, we played for almost two-thirds of the match with 14 men and we're still alive. Mm. And if you're Kerry, you're saying like, we had, I think, I worked it out shortly after the game, I think it was around a conversion rate of 27% in that first half. And we were a much vaunted forward line. If we can improve that, we'll win the game. So it, it, it's like, I don't think either manager will be going into this thinking, Jesus, we're under the cosh here or or that we have the uh, a very obvious upper hand. I yeah. think it's I think it's back to square one. Yeah, but it does feel, Michael, that the rules of engagement have changed somewhat and that the in the first day it was like David versus Goliath. That's how it was built. This time, they I, I know are still quite big favourites in the bookies, but it very much feels like closer to being equal Footing this time. Yeah, if you talk to Dublin fans, it's not whether you're going to win by four or five or anything like that. It's, win it's just getting yeah. across the line, basically. And suppose that with the narrative going into the, the first game was Dublin are likely, very, very likely to win and likely to win with something to spare. But Kerry have definitely proved himself. Everybody knew that and knew that Kerry were coming, probably just they actually went and showed it on the national stage in a massive game. There's been glimpses of it this year, and say the second half against Tyrone, the league game against Dublin. But now they did it for nearly seven, for 70 odd minutes, so everyone knows they could do it. The only thing I would say is that Dublin's card is fairly well fairly well marked now. While Kerry's like much vaunted forward line, they didn't produce what you would expect. They still had 
a lot, nearly everybody played well. If you go down to their team, yeah. there was consistent performances the whole way through. You can't say that for Dublin. Like the mainstays of the team, your Mannions, your Conor Callitans, your Kilkenny's, your Fenton's weren't their usual selves, your James McCarthy's as well, Johnny Cooper, they weren't their usual selves. So I'd ima- I I still think there's a lot of improvement to come there. Uh, as regards, like, will any changes be made? Or I, I think I think Gavin will have learned an awful lot. I think, well, I'm expecting a few new faces. Owen Merchant, I think, is a nailed on to start. I'd be amazed if he doesn't. Just because I think they're shorn of pace a bit in defence at the moment and I think he would sort out a lot of problems be it man marking someone and also being good at speed to be available for short kickouts and things like that Yeah and it looks like maybe if Merchant comes in McCarthy goes to midfield and then you're beefing up your bench maybe with Michael Darren McCauley coming on in the second half because as you mentioned Dunica like there was there was no offensive impact. They did some really good turnover tackling towards the end of the game. But you know Michael Darren McCauley charging at that carry defence late on could be a very good you know way of bringing Merchant back into the team. But in itself, that's a bit of a risk because like Merchant was a real sort of he was probably their most effective substitution. I would say mm. um, he's certainly up there. Um, and if you start with him, then obviously you don't have him to come into the game. So like and as as I mentioned earlier on, I don't think Jim Gavin. Is as knows exactly what he can get off his bench and when to use them in the way he did two or three years ago. So um, I, I I think it's fascinating the team's a start. I, I I have a feeling that he might just go and say, "Listen, lads, he's got away with it last time. Most of you were probably or a lot of you were beaten in terms of your one on one, particularly our big players. I'm giving you another shot to go again. Here you are, and I think you'll see. I can't imagine a game where Brian Fenton, Conor Callan, and Paul Mannion will be as marginal." Uh, yeah. as the world the last day and obviously we've all seen that photoshop well well, sorry alleged photoshop of the Dublin uh, team sheet floating around with Dear McConnelly named at wing back you know which you might see in that scenario Brian Howard going into the half back line and Connolly playing wing forward like it, I know it looked like a Tonica Boyle uh, pointed it out that it's actually quite an obvious fake when you look at the top of the match programme for someone to look at that photo but if it were to happen like you know would, would there be merit to it you think like would, would it be something that could work or did Connolly show in that drawn game that he maybe isn't at the pace required to, to certainly start a game like that? Well, like Connolly had one had one shot and it was just marginally wide and then uh, chased back down the sideline and got a, a brilliant turnover when they needed a turnover. Like, is there a chance that there'd be he could be a bolter? I wouldn't be a bit surprised. We were just doing a piece the other day and the last four All-Ireland replays across Hurling and football, the manage, man of the match has been someone that didn't start the first game. So the man of the match for the replay didn't Michael start. Michael Fitzsimons. The, Michael Fitzsimons was the only one of the four that featured at any stage of the four games. So you have Walter Walsh in 12. Kieran Joyce. In the Hurling. Kieran Joyce in 14 and Shane O'Donnell yeah. in 13. So like... Owen Merchant. Yeah, I think I think Owen Merchant's probably the most likely. Is there a chance that Connolly could be thrown in? Yeah. Possibly. I don't know. Would it upset would it upset Kerry's plans? It's hard to know. I just think Kerry are a lot more solid in that you know what they're gonna pick, whereas there's still a few variables and maybe the thing that made Dublin a small a tad stale was the element of predictability that this was one of the first games where we could actually predict in the drawing game that Dublin this was going to be Dublin's team yeah. and everybody nearly got it right maybe there'll be that little bit of unpredictability are, are we time. operating on the theory that Keno Sullivan won't be fit enough to start uh, Keno Sullivan by all accounts carried a hamstring injury into the I'm not, into the, the drawing game I'm not sure why he was on the 26 I wasn't even paying attention to that beforehand but I just noticed that he was the last out of the dressing room and the he picture didn't, well, he didn't yeah, warm up during uh, the game no he didn't yeah. he did his own yeah. kind of tailored warm up 
as the picture was been taken, he was ha- jogging halfway across the Crow Park pitch. He just didn't look yeah. didn't didn't look free. By all accounts, there seems to be reports that that Brian Henton Brian Fenton had a, a back carried a back injury into the matches, so maybe that would explain things as well. But it's just, it's, just, it's very intriguing. Yeah. Well, kind of Jim sticker twist. I think I'm expecting one change at least, but I wouldn't be surprised if there was two or three. And one last thing on the Dublin uh, selection issues, uh, Dunnick. Obviously, Bernard Brogan wasn't in the, the squad the last day. Interesting reading Alan Brogan's column, and obviously as his brother, he will go to bat for him. But he made yeah. a good point. Like if if Bernard had gotten the, the possession that Paddy Small had gotten in that drawing game, he would have kicked one of those points over the bar. You know his quick release. On, on, that like so is is there a place for him on the bench? You think? Well, that that's a fair point, but. I suppose what you'd point to is the body of work over this season in particular. You ignore last season, he got on in the Roscommon game as a, I think it was a blood sub he got on for and that was his championship appearance and you could ignore that because he was injured but over the body of work this year, we haven't seen him mm. really and that has to be on the basis of what Jim Gavin sees in training. So mm. he, was a, he was a sub, he came on as a sub for the B team in Tyrone, you may, if you want to call it that, the, the, the B team that they, they put out. No, he looked pretty sharp. He, he looked pretty sharp, but if he was really in the plans, you'd have to say yeah. he's starting that and he's given them 50, 60 minutes, mm. a guy who's seen a handful of championship minutes in the previous two seasons. So uh, I, I just think that it would be a long way back from not really featuring throughout the championship to not being in the panel to all of a sudden being a live option to come off the bench. Mm. There's a lot of ground to cover between that. No, there is. I just went looking at those chances and the way the game unfolds. I thought maybe it was tailor made from that that specific role. Paddy Small and Paddy Andrews are probably, if you look at their bench, are the only two I think he could usurp because they're similar style of players. Yeah. They're inside forward, shall we say? I thought Paddy Small was uh, had a good impact the last day. Um, to be honest with you, yeah, I thought he he got a couple of shots away. They didn't go over. He won pretty wild one, I think. He had which, one wild which one. Count against him, and I'd imagine Poss- in Jim's, so, Jim's yeah. world, that he was on. He was on a good. He was on a decent bit of ball, though. In fairness, and the fact that Gavin brought him on as his first substitute, he's obviously fairly high up the plans. He mightn't be the first substitute on the next day, but we still expect him to feature. If Brogan is to feature, he would have to. It would be either Paddy Andrews or Paddy Small that would lose out in the twenty six, and it, I, just, I can't see it at the moment. And on Kerry, like there was talk, you know, will Tommy Walsh be brought in? Will Killian Spillane be brought in? Will Jack Sherwood be brought in? You said you think it'll be the same team. Yeah, I th- I think so. I think yeah. it'll be I think it'll be as is. The the thing with with starting Tommy is uh, games games at the start can be quite funny. Like he he could be in there for twenty minutes and he mightn't. No ball might come in the way the game is. Do you know what I mean? So I you're guaranteed he's gonna he's going to upset their plans if he comes in late. The only merit, there are merits for starting him in that, will James McCarthy go back full back on him? What's their plan for him if he does start? Will Philly McMahon uh, be possibly sprung from the bench, which I thought he might have been the last day when Walsh came on. So, it's kind of, are you trying to get someone to show their hand as well? Yeah. Killian Spillane's impact the last day was, was brilliant. Um, and I, he's probably the one I'd say most likely to start if there was going to be a starter just because he showed that he can do it in all Ireland final he showed that he wasn't overawed with the occasion maybe they'll put him in from the start but it does lessen their effect off the bench and some of the questions before the first game was oh you know why would you keep him in reserve the game could be out of hand by the time he comes on I don't think anyone's saying that now like I think there's very much a belief that using him at the end game there'll be still very much something to play for it's not like oh if we keep him in reserve we could be 10 points down I think every, I think the feeling now is that he will be impactful regardless yeah and, and I think over the course of the last three or four three games maybe we've seen him in it, the impact he makes is very very obvious and tangible um, 
the, the interesting one about I, I wonder will Dublin consider it to what he'll bring a little bit differently and I'm just wondering where Rory O'Carroll stands in all this and, and I know I'm kind of contradicting myself with the Bernard Brogan stuff now that he's not in he wasn't in the squad and it'd be a long way for him to all of a sudden be a live live option but in that case it's a very much horses for courses selection you see Tommy Walsh jogging in and assuming Rory Carroll's fit and in some semblance of form you'd have to imagine he'd have a better chance than anyone else in physically anyway he'd be able to co- compete it would ups- um, upset a lot less as well it would, well it means like, you're not yeah. sacrificing James McCarthy yeah. um, it means you have uh, someone who uh, you, it gives you more options for the red field there's more of a knock on effect there so uh, like there's so many little variables in all this and that will be the fascinating thing the other thing is if they did start Tommy Walsh the press which they did really well in the first half would be sort of that would change as well because you had effectively three midfielders um, playing the last day you had Jack Barry uh, David Moran and Adrian Spillane and they all took up various places around in Cluxton's eye line to try and pick him off if Tommy Walsh is in that forward line will he be able to cover the ground as well in terms of the short kickouts little clipped ones out to David Bourne or, or Johnny Cooper will be able to do that as well so, and are you taking away what he's good at then yeah and you're using his energy yeah. in those in those scenarios so look, it's, 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 uh, I, I, I definitely would consider I would imagine that uh, Tommy Wall should be held in reserve. And one other thing, to, you know, we're talking about is, I guess, the, re- the referee, you know, David Goff had a big, you know, <coughs> say in that first game. People thought he had a good game. You know, there's a bit of pressure on Conor Lane now. It's funny because obviously as a Corkman, this is gonna, you know, no one's obviously raising that. And yeah, rightly yeah, so, yeah, you know, yeah. people, you know, trust him to do a good job. But it would be interesting to see, you know, what, what kind of role he plays in because it was so important the last day. Yeah, Martin Brettany had a column there today just about how the referees are, are judged, I suppose, so harshly. Like, they're the, they're, they're the only ones that don't see all the different angles and they make a call there and then in fairness to David Goff the last day I think the calls were, were fairly on the money and but his, his, probably, his refereeing style probably changed in the second half a small bit I think he was fairly cognizant of not having the match about him in the second half yeah. and there was a lot more yeah. kind of leeway in the second half mm. I, di- I think he was he didn't want it to be a decision that he made um, like Connor Lane, I'd say, I'd imagine will tow tow a fairly hard line. Um, similar similar kind of refereeing styles. Maybe he'll tow a bit of a harder line on on certain things. But um, it's going to be interesting. Like he's going to be he's in he's in the spotlight. You're always in the spotlight. Regardless, very rare an All Ireland final will go past or even any big game without the referee being in the spotlight. But he has his credentials. He's refereed the sixteen and, and eighteen finals before. He's he's well able to deal with that pressure. Just just a point on the referees, like. David Goff came on, came under an awful lot of pressure in the build-up to, to the game. I thought he was very good. Um, you know, even I think at the halftime exchange in the Sunday game studio demonstrated that the lads probably had more access to views and angles and replays than anyone in the country, and they were still arguing the point over. Uh, I think it was Kieran Whelan and Joe Brawley were arguing yeah. the point, and they were saying that it was it was the wrong decision by. The early part of the week, both men had come around to it. Goff had made that decision in the exactly, split second. Yeah, he was exactly, excellent. Yeah. And the other thing is James Owens in the Hurling final like made a huge decision. Didn't cow didn't didn't cow out of it, didn't cow away from it, shy away from it. And uh, he, he made he made a big call as well. So like I think in fairness to both of them they've done really well and you know, we've we've we spend a lot of time in here talking about them. I think it's worth pointing out that in both instances they were they were really good, I think. Yeah, and just on, I guess, the, the controversial decision or the last day or the, or the sending off of Johnny Cooper, you know, what would you do this day or, you know, for this weekend in terms of matchups? Like, would, would you put him on Clifford again? Would you move him off? Maybe put him on Paul Ganey, put Michael Fitzsimons on Clifford? Because I know in the second half there was one great moment. Clifford actually kicked the point, but Michael Fitzsimons 
defended it really, really well. Like, you know, we stayed under the whole time. I'm over the cues, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, there's, not, there's exactly. not more you can do. You've done do your job case. as a defender, yeah. but in terms of the Cooper Clifford matchup, would, would, do you think Jim will, will have the faith in him again? Because knowing Gavin or, or seeing him operate, I wouldn't be shocked if he did put him on him a, a second time. I wouldn't be a bit shocked either. I, I, I think he'd 100% uh, will. I, do, I, yeah, I wouldn't I do, do it, I don't but I think, think he, he will do it. would even cede the psychological ground and say, right, okay, our, our best man marker, our general in the defence is not able for that guy, so we're going to move him off. We're worried that he might pick up another yellow or, or whatever. There's no way he'll give that. Yeah. Johnny Cooper's going back. You have to remember, he's going into the game and he's not on a yellow. Like He's going to go into it and he has a free shot yeah. at him again. So let him go in and maybe take his first yellow and then make the change or whatever he has to do. But like, there's no way... Johnny Cooper's going into that, or Jim Gavin's going into that. Yeah, game you made me excited for that matchup again. Oh, now, yeah, because I was Johnny Cooper spitting in his hands for yeah, the last two yeah. weeks. He there's a lot wait. of stake for he Cooper. The bullet, like. There's a lot of stake for Cooper here, isn't there? In terms of like, if he was to get another doing, but was he getting that much of a doing? He was sent off. For he, a was, he was sent fouling, off. Like. like he was sent off for the fouling, but I think like that was more out of character and bad decision making on his part than. Him getting absolutely toasted, if you know what I mean. Yeah, like, like another referee. Being, you know, I think know, it Clifford was a flying by him, but he was every time the ball went into him, he was fouled. Yeah, him. yeah. I think it was. I think it was a penalty, but like, you know, probably four times out of ten, it's not given. Probably not. Yeah. yeah. You know, so like he, I don't, I, I don't think he said. I think Johnny Cooper is just absolutely delighted. He is not the man who got sent off uh, to halt Cost the drive for five. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. he's getting another shot at it, and he's Gavin's most trusted. Defender, I would say, going back to the round 21 days. So I think he was captain of the yeah. 21 team. So, you know, that's he's oh, Johnny Cooper can't wait for this. <laughs> and just on that, like Johnny Cooper doesn't become like, like, do, like he's Dublin's best yeah. man marker going into the game, and that shouldn't be judged on I know one on game. One game. Of course not. So he's got 35 minutes of an all and final under his belt. He's absolutely seeding after the last day. Like, I, I can just see the if he does pick that could him be up, a negative like, thing though. If he, you know, if he goes out, possibly, his, yeah, but like, it's like, seeding in the sense that. I want to prove myself wrong. Yeah. I, I like nearly cost I, my team dearly the last yeah. day. I can just see him if it does happen and it does materialise that he picks him up, I can just see him eyeballing him just as the ball has been thrown in as he does with his man. But it'd be very interesting because if he is moved over on Paul Ganey, like Paul Ganey has the potential to do a serious amount of damage as well. It's like when you're switching your two corner backs. If he's going over on a corner forward that's not as good, it's it's not as it's it's okay. But he's going over on a lad that's like not equally dangerous, but he's nearly as dangerous. Mm. So it's not an easier task he'd be getting. So Gavin might, as as Donica says, he might just give him that task of we have total know. trust in you, and, and we he know does. He yeah, absolutely he does, yeah. has total trust in him. Like he's he's not going to, uh, um, he's he's very much the sort of the the as I said the leader of that team, and there's no way that he like that that trust in him was was demonstrated by the fact that. Gavin left him on when yeah. he was on a yellow and a tick. That's how much he trusts yeah. him. And, and even after it. he got the first yellow, Fitzsimons went over on Clifford for a minute and then they switched back. Mm. I don't know whether, I don't know what happened there. But Sometimes he obviously, I think they yeah. just pick up who's yeah. closest to them. Yeah, he clearly on had, yeah. he has total faith in him. And the last matchup I want to talk about before I get your predictions is, you know, if, if it goes out again, it's Brian Fenton and Jack Barry because it's funny because before the game there was a, a piece written about how Barry had been very successful limiting Fenton over there. Matchups I think Fenton had only kicked one point across maybe four head-to-head battles and in particular in that league final when Kerry beat Dublin, you know, he dead very much of the upper hand and then the All-Ireland final. Now, you know, there might have been a back injury, there might not, we don't know for certain but operating on the fact that they were both fit Barry did negate him. Fenton did not have his regular game. He's another person who like, in the back of his mind, like Cooper and Clifford, 
you know, it'll be a very interesting battle to see if anything can get on top. Yeah, and in fairness to that that midfield battle, I, I do I don't think it's as simple as it's not one. No, it's not Barry on Fenton. Yeah, I'm oversimplifying. Yeah, but um, no, look, that was probably in terms of big games, that was probably Brian Fenton's most ineffective performance. And whether you want to put that down to an injury or whether Jack Barry and David Moran and and Spillane combining to to negate his influence in some way, I suppose it's it's it doesn't really matter. He he wasn't really in the game, but I, I again I, I can't see him being like if you had Peter Keane's wish list at the start of the game, I can't see and one of them top of the list would have been keeping Brian Fenton to the fringes of it, and he didn't really he, he, they managed that. Um, so I I just can't imagine him being so peripheral again. Just on, sorry, speaking of another matchup, the Jack McCaffrey conundrum and what they're going to do with him is going to be very, very interesting. There's a lot of talk that Stephen O'Brien it's not pick him up as a forward, picking up a back, but that he'll try and put him on the back foot with these kind of energising runs that he does and he put make McCaffrey defend. Jack McCaffrey is unbelievable going forward. I timed the amount of uh, seconds it took from where he picked up the ball, where, he, where the move started for his goal. He was standing 30 metres out on the Hogan stand side and it was a diagonal run to when he kicked the ball into the carry net from the 13 yard line it took him 15 seconds to get there and it must have been 120 metres at least to cover that ground so it's a, it's ridiculous speed and a diagonal run but he's not the best defender in the world so I think maybe Kerry will try and put him on the back foot a little um, if he can get forward when he gets forward that's fair enough but they might try how, and make him defend him how more. often have you seen him on the back foot? Like you say, he's not the best fender. Yeah, no, the he, was I don't the, he was on the back foot a couple of times the last day. He's not. I, he's I, not the I best can't tackler. remember. I can't remember. Mayo in the semi final, Paddy Durkin did a good job in him and got Paddy, forward a bit. Got, but like you know, I, I, a lot of times we talk about Jack McCaffrey in different terms and standards than other fellas. I can't remember a time where. Whereas Jack McCaffrey as a wing back was switched to the other wing because he couldn't handle no, the no, man he was no, on. No, 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 yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. I don't really, like, it, you, you might get in behind him and stuff like that, but he has the pace to recover all the time. Yeah, or just like Pat Durkin did, like with those forward rates, occupy him enough in the defensive end that he doesn't really get the time or yeah, the space. Yeah, to get. Like, yeah, I think yeah. he only had like one possession of offensively against Mayo and he was stripped in traffic. And I'd say that was the idea behind when Gavin White was on him for periods. So, like, I think two or three carry fellas had uh, picked him up at different mm. times when I looked up anyway, but um, I think that was maybe part of the idea with Gavin White who mm. is very is naturally a wing back but very comfortable going forward yeah. I'd say that was maybe the idea that maybe Jack would have to go back at least as much as going forward so yeah it's a tough one I'm not sure about sacrificing Stephen O'Brien like um, I don't know if it's sacrificing him if he's still able to put him, if he's able to put him on the back foot it's a gamble but isn't it it, it it is a gamble yeah and he, like he doesn't have like O'Brien's fast but he like no one has the raw speed no. of McCaffrey mm. so I, I, that's a really tricky one it but was just strange the last day that they didn't actually pick him up he was free a lot of the time that McCaffrey was free to pick up the ball in the middle of the field you'd imagine there'd be someone tagging him the next day yeah yeah. You, well the other thing is, is what's the chance of him getting one tree again like, yeah. and, and it was it was like the perfect hat trick of points as well. It was left foot, right foot, and hand and, pass, one, and yeah, a hand pass yeah. over the bar. So, um, like, I, look, there's so much going on, and there's so many little. I'd love to be walking around Jim Gavin's head and and yeah. and Peter Keane's head at the minute just to see what they're they're thinking of. Yeah, we could talk about matchups all day, but we'll finish up with predictions, Michael. Yeah, I went for Dublin the first day, but I think it was four or five, and I I, I still think Dublin will win. Probably by three, by three or four. I think it'll be a tight, tight game throughout. I don't think it can be overstated that they played the game with, with fourteen players the last day for 
43 minutes nearly in the second half. So I still think, I just think there's more improvement in them. I think Kerry could still deliver a serious performance, but I just think there's more improvement in Dolan, particularly from their bigger players. Like if we see Fenton going forward, if we see Mannion more on the front foot, Conor Callaghan more on the front foot, and I do expect two out of three of those to have much bigger games and throwing Kieran Kilkenny in there as well. I just think they'll be a lot more potent. They got their wake-up call. It could so easily have been all over for them and planning mm. for next year. It's not. They've gotten a two-week break to basically re-energise and recharge for this. I just say expecting big improvements all over and big improvements on the line and big improvements on the field. And I just think, yeah, Dublin by about three or four, yeah. Um, well, I kind of touched on it earlier on, but if, if, like, if, if Kerry when they sat down to prepare for the drawing game, they would have went, we need to marginalise Brian Fenton, we need to put Kirill Kenny to the fringes of the game, and if we can manage it at all, if we can keep Paul Mannion and Conor Callan to a handful of points between them, we'll go a long way towards winning this game. They got all of that, and then a man sent off in the first half, and they couldn't quite finish the job. I think after the drawing game, everyone accepts that the gap to Dublin isn't, what it generally was thought to be before the draw match, but I still expect Dublin to do it. I think I went for, I think I went for six or seven points for the draw match, and this time I'm, yeah, I'm going to say something similar. I think five or six. I think, I think they'll get it done. I don't think everything will fall Kerry's way, and Dublin will be as as stale or neutral or I'm not passive as they were in in their performance in the first game. I think they'll 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 get the job done this time around. I see a situation where. Uh, McManaman and a few others are coming on now when they're three or four up and they'll be hammering the nails in rather than trying to save it this time like it was the last time and possibly a bit of a clear out in Dublin as well I don't. I just have this feeling that yeah. I think this like they're talking they're not letting on the five in a row was anything to them it's just another All-Ireland and all that but I think you'll see a lot of fellas who've soldiered for a long time I think over the next three or four months they'll, if they, particularly if they get to five I think they'll just say listen there's not much more I can squeeze out this doesn't, won't get any better fine well, a lot to look forward to on Saturday night. Thanks to Dunica Boyle for coming into the studio. Now it's time to preview the All-Ireland Ladies Football Final, Dublin versus Galway. And Michael, I guess, Dublin are, are quite strong favourites. I think they're 1-10 they're to 10 to, to complete the three in a row. Um, like It's very hard to see past them. Would you, would you give Galway any chance? Uh, justifiably so. They're, they're strong favourites, to be fair. I think if most people would have thought that if they were going to be caught, that it was going to be in the semi-final against Cork, you know, their great rivals over the last four or five years. They're strong favourites. The only thing is... Like Galway did beat them in the league last year. I was down, I was in I was in McHale Park when they played them in the All Ireland semi final last year. It was more a couple of Galway mistakes and maybe Galway not taking their chances early that just kind of upset them. Then Dublin were clinical as they always are, and the game was over within within a few minutes. But like Galway probably they won't definitely won't feel obviously that they're the forlorn hope that most people most people do, and they have experience of beating Dublin in, in a high kind of level game but it is very hard to see past Dublin realistically yeah. you know Yeah bring in uh, Cork legend Breed Stack on, on the phone now and Breed you, you know this Dublin team so well you had many great battles with them down the years like wh where are they at the moment do you think are, are they are they kind of heavy heavy favourites in your eyes going to this final like wh what kind of chance would you give Galway? Well, yeah, like I suppose, look, this is a first final appearance for Galway in 14 years. And I suppose Dublin, you know, have been in the last five finals. Um, you know, as as was kind of mentioned before, like the sides have met kind of now on numerous occasions over the last couple of years. And I suppose the last time they met was in last year's semi-final where Dublin beat Galway by about seven points. But, you know, this is a Galway team that I, I had tipped at the start of the year. Like, you know, they're a side that have progressed 
you know, so much even in the space of the year, like in, I suppose, they got to league semi-final last year and they got to league final this year. They got to the championship semi-final last year. They're in all Ireland final this year. I think what Tim Rabbit and his uh, strong management team have, uh, they've just been a fantastic fit for this side. Um, he was involved last year kind of in a, a coach and selector role. Um, but, you know, he seems to just be a perfect fit as manager. He's a real solid, calm, level-headed kind of guy. And um, I suppose, like, in the last three years, this Galway team have been building. And I suppose, in particular, you know, Mike Comer came in as their strength conditioning coach. And he's been involved with the Currafin men's team, you know, in, in their All-Ireland Club campaign. So he brings huge experience um, to this Galway ladies' side. And I suppose they're starting now to see the benefits of that over the last couple of years. So Galway are definitely there on on, on merit. And, you know, it's an All-Ireland final. And absolutely anything can happen, really, on an All-Ireland final day. And from a mental perspective, like how do you expect Galway to approach this when, when they are such heavy underdogs? You outline their credentials there, and they are here on merit. But when you're kind of up against a team who are so formidable and such strong and so strongly tipped, like is it, do you go into it kind of thinking is it it's a free shot? But then on the other hand, it's an all and final. Like you don't want to have that kind of cavalier attitude. But in a sense, when you are such big underdogs, it's hard not to think you know we have a, a kind of a, no one's expecting us to win. Let's just go out and give it our best. Yeah, well, like definitely there. Like, I suppose no one is kind of, um, you know, giving Galway much of a chance. But, um, like, Galway have always been a side that Dublin have kind of struggled against, you know. Um, be it in the league, they, they always seem to be a real thorn in, in Dublin's side. Uh, and then come championship, maybe it's the case that Galway um, have been lacking a bit of confidence over the last couple of years and just can't seem to get that final step over the line. Um, but this is just, it's a different, it's a new look Galway this this um, this year. Um, their form, in fairness, I suppose, has been a bit up and, up and down, but like they have grinded out wins when it really, really mattered. And I suppose that a Galway team maybe of old may not have done that. Um, so, it, you know, the fact that I suppose that, the, that there is a kind of a renewed sense of belief there, they're finishing out games, they're seeing out games, they're running very, very hard at defences. Um, it's something that they definitely need to do against Dublin. And I suppose, look, we saw in the semi-final versus Cork, it was a really intense game. There was a lot of turnovers, a lot of mistakes, a lot of freeze. And, um, you know, I, I suppose the one thing that Cork could maybe have taken from that game is that any time that they did run very hard at Dublin, you know, they were conceding freeze. Um, but freeze that Dublin were very happy to give away because I suppose... Cork's big threat was their goal threat and Dublin just seemed to snuff that out fair, fairly fairly easily, you know. Um, but I, I would say, like, you know, with 42 minutes gone on the clock, there was only a point separating Cork and Dublin. Both had been playing kind of very defensively um, and it, it took, I suppose, you know, there was two sin bins in that, in that space kind of over on the 42nd minute. And then there was a goal by, uh, sorry, there was a missed goal by on on Terry O'Sullivan. And then there was a, a converted goal by Quiva O'Connor of Dublin. And, you know, from that point, Dublin kicked on. So if Galway can ensure that they have an improved, um, I suppose, an improved defensive structure and, and a defensive plan in place to try to stop that goal threat, you know, and if they could hold them for for as long as possible, you know, Galway will be well within the shout. Breed, did you uh, envisage this kind of maybe Dublin dominance? You obviously pipped them in a couple of finals. Did did you think it might be always a case that when they did eventually get over the line that they would be hard beaten for a number of years? Yeah, look, I suppose it's it's like any team, you know, you just need to 
you just need to get over the line once to kind of, I suppose, instill that belief in yourself that, you know, that, that you're capable of doing it. And I suppose, you know, going back to our very first All-Ireland final, we had no experience of ever, you know, I suppose, playing very, very competitively competitively in senior um, football. For years, we were getting hammered in Munster by Kerry and Waterford, and, and it does take its toll on you mentally, but it just takes that one breakthrough, and I suppose, look, we, we got that breakthrough. We, we beat Mayo. Um, sorry, first of all, we had kind of beaten um, Kerry and Waterford in, in Munster, and then, like, to get out and, I think, to beat... Um, we kind of beat Mayo that year in 2004 and that was our big breakthrough game. I think you need one of those breakthrough games just to get over the line. And um, I suppose, you know, all it takes is for for that to happen once and, and Dublin, I suppose, look, they were, they pushed us, you know, in 2014, 15, 16. We were only ever separated by the one or two points and I suppose, look, thankfully we had maybe a good bit of experience behind us but, um, you know, you knew once they got over the line that, you know, they were a team that were just going to keep building on, on belief and building on their skill and their and their setup, and, and they've done that and uh, I, I read during the week how Mick Bowen was, um, he wasn't, it wasn't sitting well with him the this period of dominance but I suppose look Dublin are kind of the the you know they're at the top of their game now and I suppose it's a case of who's going to be hungrier on the day because they certainly have the talent but I suppose hunger is the best sauce definitely on an All-Ireland final day and Breed when you look at the Dublin team and how they're performing now versus you know those finals where Cork did get over the line because in all of them Dublin were well within a shout I know in one of them they had a huge lead and you guys pinned them back and in other ones they kind yeah. of seemed to panic a little bit down the stretch whereas now they look a lot more assured and you yeah. know as you mentioned in that semi-final against Cork very close game with maybe three quarters of it gone and they kicked on like is that what they've kind of improved on do you think since maybe 2014-15? Yeah, well, look, you have to learn from those experiences, and I suppose, look, you have to kind of go through them to really learn from them, and, you know, those those days do build massive resilience in you and in your character and in your mindset, and I suppose that team as a whole is still very much the same team that we would have played in 2014, 15, 16, so they've experienced the the hard knocks and the the other side of it, so I presume it's a feeling that they never want to want to try to feel again, and um it is a case of, I suppose, yeah, you just, you kind of grit the teeth and you kind of know that you are capable of it and it's just a case of turning the screw and, and pushing on for the last for the last quarter or whatever that might be in a game. And I suppose just, just having that little bit of steeliness uh, is, is vital um, on the big day. And Michael, you know, Mick Bohan has gotten a lot of credit for, for the way the team has developed over the last few years, you know, and, and he's been someone who, you know, people think very highly of. He's been linked with a whole range of jobs in, you know, men and, and ladies Gaelic football. Like, what's your read on, on what he's been doing? Well, like, Mick's methods are a little different. Like, a lot of the time you're working with two balls in a match. You're actually carrying two balls. So he's trying to develop different types of coordination. And a lot of the time is, all Mick's work seems to be all skills-based and... and Dublin are. De- I think it's fair. It'd be fair to say that Dublin are the most skillful team there, and they're they rarely they rarely make like obvious mistakes. So his kind of skill based coaching is, I suppose, that's kind of what he's uh, reinforcing throughout everything he's doing. He's basically come in and he's unbeaten in championships since he's come in, which is phenomenal. He was obviously coach under under Jim Gavin in twenty thirteen and fourteen as well. Um, I was at one of his workshops before. It's just it's, inter- it's a different kind of take 
take on coaching. It's mm. very, yeah, it's very, very, very skills based coaching. Um, I just have a, a question actually for Breed. Breed, I'm just wondering. I just I was looking at an interview with Neve McAvoy, and she was saying that she she's obviously going out with Dean Rock, but she's saying she definitely won't go to the match on Saturday. Um, just because it's I, yeah, it's just yeah. too too much for her, I suppose, and it will just take too much over. Have you ever had a similar kind of an instance there, or, or like even if there was a game on the day you were playing a game, would you watch it, or do you feel it taxes you? Have you ever made the mistake of watching a game and going out to play your own game and been like mentally fatigued or anything like that as well? Um, no, I suppose. Look, the the kind of the one that I would. Uh, affiliate that is in 2013 the car curlers I suppose um, got to an All-Ireland final um, versus Clare and the game went to a replay and the replay was actually on the Saturday night before the Saturday evening sorry before our game on the Sunday um, but as a unit like I suppose we we still stuck to our same routine we went up on the on the Saturday night we were caught in a ridiculous amount of traffic going up because there was obviously big crowds coming up from Cork again on the Saturday night and a few of our plans kind of got uh, thrown to the side. So, you know, only I suppose maybe that we had been there um, many times before, thankfully, that, you know, we didn't let it kind of eat into our preparation and we stopped off kind of in the curra and we had a kick around and, you know, things that we would have normally done and, and then we made made sure we were up to the hotel in time and, you know, I don't think there was a single girl there that didn't want to watch that, watch, want to yeah. watch that hurling replay, you know, and, like, I I absolutely love watching, watching big games like that and, and I suppose envisioning that you're going to be there the next day and, you know, kind of, you can nearly visualise the passage you're going to make or the, the block you might make and, I I absolutely loved it. I, I it got me really focused for for a game the next day, and I suppose you know in recent years when Cork um were doing very well in the ladies football and the Camogie, you know all the Cork footballers made a made a point of going up to the Camogie finals. You know they were always on two weeks previous to um to you know if we were in an All Ireland final and. She's like, you know, we'd know a lot of those girls very, very well. And, you know, we had a couple of dual players as well. And gee, there was, it was fantastic for focusing you, to be honest. Uh, if they got a win, it made you, you know, really, really, I suppose, drive on and, and want to get that win. And, you know, God, if they lost, there was no greater sauce than saying we will not be like that in two weeks' time. So I suppose I love big games like that. You know, I really relish them and I just try to bottle all the energy around them, really. And just, I guess, it's unfortunate with the scheduling and that the All-Ireland Football Final this year is obviously the night before because the last couple yeah. of years in particular, it's been a real kind of festival of ladies' football on the Sunday and it's gotten so much coverage and so much, so yeah. such big crowds. Like, how frustrating is it as someone who's, you know, so involved in the sport to kind of see it, not, not overshadowed necessarily, but not getting maybe the, the full spotlight that it has been getting? Um, well, like, I, I still think it's getting a lot of coverage and a lot of, uh, a lot of, I suppose uh, a lot of the spotlight. Granted, I suppose the way that the that the men's final ended up, um, you know, two weeks ago, you know, there's a massive hype about it. Can Kerry bring it again a second time? Um, you know, will Dublin uh, win their five in a row? The girls are going for three in a row. So, to me, that probably adds more hype, if anything, because hopefully there'll be, a, you know, a real follow-on from from the lads' game if Dublin are to are to, you know, um, I suppose succeed in in winning five in a row. Like, what a weekend it would be for Dublin if in in one weekend they won a five in a row and a three in a row. So, you know, it can only be a good thing. And I suppose for your, for the last couple of years, even when we were playing Dublin, um, I suppose 
you know, it wasn't, um, it, or it was fairly obvious, you know, that a lot of the lads would, would come and support a lot of the Dublin girls. So um, I think with the numbers on the rise, the way that they have been the last couple of years, last year, there was over 50,000 at it, you know, and the fact that there's a new team now in it, the fact that Galway have uh, won a Camogie All-Ireland, um, you know, just last week. I think, you know, sport is sport is infectious and people want to follow, um, you know, good news stories. And I think there's going to be a massive crowd again on Sunday. And I don't think it's going to take massively from, from the spotlight on the girls. I think once that match is over on Saturday, the build-up will start again. And, um, you know, it'll be a great occasion. And obviously, it's not just a senior final. Obviously, we have a lot of focus on that. But there's two other finals being played on the Sunday as well. Is there anything that you're really looking forward to from either of those games? Yeah, I suppose, yeah. Um, in the junior final, there's Fermanagh and Louth. And then in the intermediate final, there's there's Tip versus Meath. And I suppose probably the Tip versus Meath game is probably being seen as one that's going to be a real ding-dong. So, you know, for anyone that is that is uh, anyway interested in sport and, and close encounters, they've been... Um, you know, just separated by the minimum over the last kind of year or two. And I think it's going to be a massive game in the intermediate game between Tipperary and Meath. So really looking forward to that game as well. And I guess we'll finish up with predictions, Michael. I'll go to you first. It, will it be a Dublin three in a row, do you think? Or will Galway complete a Camogie ladies football double? Yeah, the big the big thing for me is is how quiet Sinead Hearn was kept in the semi-final. And I just don't see that happening. I just don't see that happening on Sunday again. Um, I think she might cut loose a bit and if she were to get 1-2 or 1-3 which she's more than capable of if not more I'd find it hard to see Dublin stop to be honest which I think Dublin by it could be it could be very very similar to the Cork game it could be very t- it could be relatively tight half time even going into the final quarter but they just seem to have that edge very like the men's team just when it comes down the stretch they can always find a bit more and I think they'll find a bit more and maybe I'd say Dublin by 4 or 5 yeah Mm. And in the intermediate game is very, very interesting because obviously Tip have recent experience of playing Division 1 football and acquitted themselves very well at senior and just kind of, it was just the way it was that they, that they ended up going back down and of course Mead were in last year's final as well so that should be a better of a game. I, I'd, imagine, I'd imagine Tip would prevail in that. Yeah, Breed, what are your predictions? Um, yeah, I suppose, look, as I said earlier, Galway have put in a lot of work over the last couple of years but I suppose, you know, in terms of Dublin, there may be probably a small bit behind Dublin in terms of physicality and experience. Um, I do think all we need to ensure that they have a very good defensive plan in place to try to stop the goal threat of Dublin. And, you know, I thought in the semi-final, Dublin's defensive unit was absolutely outstanding, you know, and, and they really stu- um, stood firm. Um, I suppose all I know is that I do think that there is a huge, huge game left in this Galway team. Um, you know, as I said, they've kind of had up and down form throughout the championship, and I think that there is one massive game left in them. Will it happen on Sunday? I'm not sure. I do think it'll just come down to who's the hungrier because both have a lot of talent and a lot to offer. Um, but I suppose what what everyone wants to see is that the games are really let flow this weekend. We saw the difference in the two semi-finals. You'd love to see the game being let flow and, and girls showcasing their talents. Um, I do think Dublin maybe have just a bit too much firepower and a bit too much physicality and a bit too much experience. So I suppose I, w- I would tip Dublin by maybe three or four. Um, but it, it'll, it will depend a lot on Galway's defensive structure, I do think. I presume, um, Breed, you don't want to see yeah. uh, Dublin getting too close to your records, I presume. I <laughs> really <laughs> uh, well, like it, it, like they, they have asserted themselves really as, as, I suppose, you know, the 
the, the leading force in ladies football in the last couple of years and fair play to them because it took a lot of resilience I can imagine to come back after after three you know defeats in Croke Park I can imagine it's not a, not a nice place to lose in so you know you have to give them that they have fantastic resilience and like you know they have worked so much on their skill set and their skill base and you know their fitness is, is incredible so you'd have to take your head off to them well, fingers crossed we get a cracker uh, this Sunday and a big crowd again. Breed, thanks so much for joining us. No bother. Thanks a million. Breed, thanks very thanks much for very that. much, Breed. Appreciate that. Okay. Enjoy the game. Thank you. That's all we have time for in the throne this week in association with Board Gosh Energy. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next Monday with a podcast reviewing the All-Ireland Football Final replay and the All-Ireland Ladies Football Final. Until then, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud or listen on independent.ie. So until next Monday, thank you for listening and goodbye. Board Gosh Energy, putting customers at the core of under-20 and senior hurling championship action. Hashtag hurling to the core.